You're listening to the Fertility Academy podcast, episode five. Today, I'm going to be talking with Valentina McCochran, who is a former patient of mine and now a friend. We're going to be talking about her story with PCOS and mindset around all of that. And we get into a lot of juicy stuff in this episode. So stay tuned. Welcome to Fertility Academy, a podcast where we provide you with information and tools to help you optimize your fertility to grow your family no matter where you are in your fertility journey. We offer interesting, creative, and evidence-based information and give you practical tools to help you get closer to your goal of building a family. I'm your host, Michelle Kapler. I'm a fertility-focused acupuncturist and Chinese medicine practitioner, board-certified fertility specialist, and fertility coach with over 10 years of experience helping my patients build their families. I'm so glad you're here with us. Let's get on with the episode. Hello and welcome to Fertility Academy. I'm your host, Michelle Kapler. Today, I'm going to be interviewing a former patient of my name, Valentina, and uh, she and I worked together about seven years ago, and she's going to tell her story about her experience with fertility and talk a lot about the mindset and the tools that she used and the work that she did to help her getting pregnant despite having PCOS. But before we jump into the episode, I just wanted to give you a little bit of background info on Val. So, Valentina started Love Fest Journey as a place to share her own experience in healing her body of polycystic ovarian syndrome with the goal of eventually getting pregnant. Through a series of wild adventures and a whole lot of hard work, she balanced her hormones, became pregnant, and gave birth to two of her daughters. As a breathwork guide, she supports her clients to honor the little and big things in front of them and help them move through them while learning to love themselves through the process. By sharing her own story online, she has had the great privilege of connecting with people from all over the world. She takes pride in knowing that her honesty about fertility, pregnancy, and motherhood has helped other women have the courage to openly share their own journeys without feeling anxious or shamed. She completed a continuing education course through the Institute of Holistic Nutrition in Toronto that focused on your body's natural ability to nurture a growing baby through nutritional and holistic practices. She's also a certified breathwork facilitator through completing all levels of David Elliott's Healer Training Series. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into our conversation with Val. Welcome, Val. Thanks so much for being here on the podcast with us. Thank you very much. I'm so happy to be here. Wonderful. Um, So I just want to get started by having you tell us a little bit about yourself. So I'd love for you to just let us know what your story is and how you got into doing what you do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I feel like, I mean, in terms of what I do now, the basis of kind of the flow for me is supporting women primarily through fertility, pregnancy, and postpartum. Um, Start Right now, I focus on um, working with women through the breath. And that has been a really incredible tool for me. But it's also a relatively new tool, not a new tool to me, but a new tool to like how I support people in a group or one-on-one setting. Historically, I would um, really, you know, kind of started Love Fest Journey began um, out of my desire to have a baby. Um, really simply. And I was told at a really young age that that wouldn't be possible. And that was really um, just, I like kind of just made me mad. Um, I think like at the back, there's a lot of anger there and a lot of sadness and confusion. And so I'm a big doer. And um, yeah, and that just sort of kind of just turned things into me wanting to write about it. And that was how I started with a blog. 
And then from there, uh, once I was able to get pregnant, it transformed into supporting women, um, talking about what that pregnancy and postpartum looked like. And none of those things were like at all what I had anticipated them looking like. So it was really just wanting to document in my own form for me, writing is a really healing um, tool. So documenting in a really clear way for other people to be able to connect to that source of those feelings that maybe weren't as widely available to read um, as openly maybe um, at that time. And that would have been maybe eight years ago, 10 years ago. That sounds amazing. Thank you for sharing that. I just want to back uh, track a little bit. And I think you mentioned that um, at some point you were told that it wouldn't be possible to get pregnant. And so I'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about that and, and how that happened and what that was like for you. Yeah. So when I, as a young woman, I had never, I never had my cycle on my own. My body didn't produce a period. And so from a young age, I noticed that that was different from my peers. And that was something that I came into, you know, kind of had those conversations with my parents of this is something that isn't happening. And at that point, my parents reached out to, I think it would have been my mom's OBGYN. And he said, you know, okay, well, here are some questions. Let's ask Val. And now as a person who, you know, works closely with women and has seen practitioners like you, um, I have such a better understanding of what polycystic ovarian syndrome is. At that time, it felt like pretty, pretty new um, in terms of just like labeling what that was. And so the questions were things like, um, do, do you have excess facial hair? Do you have uh, male pattern baldness? Do you have acne? And it was just these like really point blank questions that I'll never forget, like my dad asking me at the kitchen table. And it was really terrible. I didn't you know, necessarily have that it just nothing felt like it lined up. It was like, I'm not really clear what the thing is, but I feel like my friends have periods and I should have mine. So I ended up going to see a fertility specialist at that point. Um, this OBGYN wasn't seeing young patients and I would have been 14, 15, really young, like in like a formative place. And so this woman um, who now owns a fertility clinic did a sonogram um, and, and found like tons of what she deemed to be like beautiful pearl shaped cysts on my ovaries. And so it was sort of told then that you you have polycystic ovarian syndrome. You know, you're obviously not looking to get pregnant right now. We're going to put you on birth control to try to start your period and come back and see me when you're ready to get pregnant. And then I was just let out the door to go exist for the next, I guess I didn't return back to her office until I was 20, 21 or 22. Wow. And so your doctor basically said, this is what I see happening with your body. And, you know, here's this pill that I want you to take. And what was that like for you to have that diagnosis and just kind of not really be given any guidance in terms of what it was or what to do about it or root causes or anything like that? How did that feel for you? Yeah, so I feel like I just need to like ground myself in that for a minute. I think as a young person, it was... I think it was just like, it was a solution. It was like, I don't have this, my body isn't working in the way that other people's bodies are that I'm seeing. That feels frustrating. What can we do about it? Here is birth control, take it, be on your way. And it just felt like this natural, like it just felt like that, okay, great. This person who I feel like I should trust, who my parents say I should trust, I'll go into that. And it wasn't until I later went to go back and see this woman with the intention of, okay, I'm, I want, you know, so what she said, which is, you know, what I was left with this piece of trauma that, you know, really sat in my body for a long time was, 
uh, her directly looking at me and saying like, just so you know, it's going to be damn near impossible for you to have a baby, but we could probably do it. So, you know, come back and see me. Here are my tools within my clinic, you know, but you're going to need a lot of help. And it was just this like ominous, for me, I'm a very positive person. And this was just like this ominous negativity that, you know, as a young person, like that just sat right here. It was like this like whisper in my ear that, that this thing was just not going to be easy, if at all possible. And so when I circled back and I was again told, okay, you know, you want to go off birth control, but you, which I had taken myself off on my own and she's, you know, you're not getting a cycle again. Let's put you back on that. Let's put you back on, 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 a, on a birth control, low dose um, hormone, and we'll get you kind of back getting your cycle so that we can cycle monitor and see what's going on internally. And I just walked out of that office with this prescription. And I was like, if this is, this is not my path. I, I feel like there's more to this. There, there's got to be a reason why my body is not balanced. There are things that are happening. And I just had this like internal awareness. I didn't know what it looked like, but I knew that I needed to find another way to bring my body back into this place of whatever equilibrium looked like to me. Cause I don't think the word, you know, balance is a lovely word to use, but that's not always the case for everybody's body. So just being really like deeply honoring that I wanted to try to, to do the best I could for myself. And that included changing foods. It included introducing herbs and tinctures, acupuncture, hydrotherapy, naturopathic medicine until I, I remember I came to see you, my, my naturopath at the Canadian college of naturopathy, had graduated and I was like I don't know what to do and then I found Michelle and I like walked in being like this is you know this is where I have been and how beautiful was TCM as a compliment to you know the work that I had been doing with her um, in session and it was pretty beautiful because I did get pregnant shortly after that. You did and thank you for saying all that that's so nice to hear. <laughs> um, Val was how how old is how old is Aggie now? She's six? Yeah, she's five and a half. Okay. So we would have started seeing each other around seven years ago at that at this point then. Mm-hmm. Wow. How nice. <laughs> so it sounds like, to back up a little bit, your story is not an uncommon one. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had 10 years of experience treating women specifically for fertility in clinic with, with acupuncture and TCM. And I hear some version of your story on an almost daily basis. Um, PCOS is is a condition that's very common among women. And it's something that, you know, your, your story is as a young woman going to the doctor saying, I don't think something's right. And then they're diagnosed with PCOS. And the doctor just says, okay, go on the pill. And then you're going to want to get pregnant at some point. So come back to me because it's going to be really difficult. And I think it's so interesting when a woman is that young and impressionable to just basically have that put on her. And that's just what she believes because a doctor is a person of authority and a person and a person who has, you know, diagnostic capabilities and lab work to support what they're saying. And I love that you just said, yeah, no, thanks. I'm just gonna, (laughs) I'm just gonna make it my own thing. And I'm just gonna do my own thing. And that's wonderful. But I think that hearing a story like that is really important for a lot of other women because it's, you know, why would you believe anything else other than, no, it's going to be really difficult for you if a doctor is is sitting there telling you that that's going to be the case. And in the same breath, I also like to always bring the awareness that my story is unique in that I 
you know, every person is unique, of course, but in that the determination and like the tools that I had at my disposal, the ability for me to be able to support myself through, you know, financially paying for some of the different practitioners that I saw, the ability for me to like go all in on that in that world of just saying like, okay, here are the changes I'm going to make. I do believe that we all have the capability to change you know, these small, these things in our lives and in our homes. Um, But I also acknowledge that it's not everybody's cup of tea and that taking those steps can be really intimidating. And so I think, you know, there's a lot of modalities out there that can feel like, okay, what, what does that even look like? And I think my part of my mission was with Love Fest was to write about it. Like, I'm going to go get an Arvigo fertility massage. I'm going to lie on this table and have someone massage my belly and into my pelvic region and like try and get my like juices flowing and like feel into that energy. And I was like, okay, well, like this is kind of funny, but also interesting. And like, I left feeling great, but I'm like, is that going to be what, you know, gets me pregnant? And then I would do seed cycling and then I changed all our pots to cast iron pots. And then I would see you. And it was just this awareness of like, it's really slow. It's a super slow, fine, you know, like really gentle machine that you have to be so tender with yourself with, um, really like give a lot to your practitioners, like try to create those bonds. And I think, that's one thing that I mentioned to you, you know, kind of previous to our chat was that I think for me having that connection to my practitioner, because it's a really intimate experience to have people, you know, find that that team of people that really makes you feel supported in whatever way that looks, if it's IVF, if it's TCM, if it's naturopathy, if it's Western medicine, like you can have that collection of people, but just bringing that awareness that there's not just one way to do it, just like we don't all have one body. Because I think where I feel a little bit of, um, you know, I like to be, I am transparent about it now is that it really ultimately wasn't my struggle was the mental, like the mental piece before I got pregnant, when it came down to actually having the, the, like my daughter, my first daughter, I mean, I, we didn't try for that long. It wasn't like an arduous process. And I feel really, it feels meaningful to say that because I think that at the beginning I, but I can, you know, it resonates so deeply the desire of like deeply wanting a child and that feeling really hard and having that mountain in front of you of like, what is this even going to look like? Like, can I do this? And I know those feelings so, so intimately. So it's like a bit of a duality where I wish that every story were like that, where it's like, there's this mountain, but like, okay, you're going to have a baby. And I just know that that's not the case. So I think just the importance of, yeah, building that team and like being able to sink into what that journey is going to look like, because it really does look so different. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I I think that speaking a little bit more about building that team uh, can be a really important piece, but I'd also love to hear more about what you personally did to make sure that you were taking care of yourself and Mm -hmm. feeling nourished and, you know, what it was like for you to kind of work on that mindset piece. Yeah. So I think if I look at where I am now compared to where I was, I think, you know, obviously it's like you look back and you're like, oh, at that point I thought I just like had it really like felt like I was like so grounded and had it in me. But I always say like, I'm not a slow person by nature. And yet like for me, I remember seeing like it was the beginning of joining Instagram for me. And I remember seeing like the first hashtag for me that like resonated was hashtag slow living. And I was like, what is that? Like, that just like feels like it's being called to me from like some other place. And I just want that. And my life looked the exact opposite of slow living. So, you know, I was working in a fashion company, it was like fast fashion, it was busy days, it was cooking, you know, we were cooking meals, it wasn't 
eating out all the time, but it just, it wasn't this embodiment of the way that I visualize and like embody slow now. And so, yeah, I think there was the mental piece of just, I guess at the beginning there, I, I would do, you know, the first big thing I did was quit my job. I, w- I had, I had the ability to quit my full-time in-person job and become and freelance. And that was really helpful, which I know is not necessarily plausible for everyone, but I also would like to say through COVID, there's more chance now of working from home for some people. And that offered a big change for me to be able to make my meals, maybe go for a walk, implement an earlier bedtime, remove some of the things from my diet that didn't feel like they were supportive to me. Um, in that case for me, like I, that was when I started something that I did a lot was called my 21 day holistic eating and living journey, which is the longest name in the world. But what that was, was this merriment of, of physical body and mental body. And it just allowed, you know, kind of the invitation was every day for 21 days, I would write to women and I would share some of the things I was doing before bed, like legs up the wall, a warm, nourishing drink, putting oil on the bottom of your feet, you know, creating a vision board with your spouse or your partner and just sharing what what do we want our life to look like in five years? Could we, you know, write a couple words like... I visualize me walking with a baby in a carrier strapped to my chest, just like allowing myself to believe that these things were possible, I think was just something that really, really helped me a lot. And then I think in terms of the physical, just being able to tap into some of those resources in Toronto of, um, you know, what did her, what, what were herbal places, you know, kind of looking at what were the, what were the practitioners offering in terms of like, you can lie down on this table and I'm going to put needles in you. You know, can you take that invitation to rest? Can you ask that person questions? Can you lean into them and say like, I'm having a really hard day and allow yourself to express physically if it's tears or big tears or crying or yelling or screaming or just like letting, you know, letting the things out that want to come. Um, And I think with the awareness I have now, you know, breath work for me is just something that taps into a lot of those pieces so it's an it's a pretty incredible tool for i find for women who are are struggling to get pregnant as a merriment to um to their journey to be able to allow some of that physical stagnation and energetic stagnation in their bodies to move as you're doing the other things amazing i'd love to hear more about that breath work and and how you're using it in your own life and and with the women that you work with as well Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, the breath pattern I, I teach is a, um, an active breath. It's uh, a three part breath that essentially I would call it a breathwork meditation. You, you know, so often we, in particular me again, I'm not naturally slow. So the idea of sitting down, closing my eyes and being able to get into a place of like a bit more of a calm, um, grounded mindset was really tricky at the beginning and still is to a certain degree. But what that breath offers us, it's, it's, we, we lie down as we breathe. Um, the breath offers us a, a distraction for our brains, the parts of our body that is just constantly going and in thought and just, you know, it's the one thing that just sort of can get us out of our bodies like that. So in that same way, we breathe in order to distract that, our brain and allow ourselves to feel into these parts of our body. So with the breath, we breathe, we take one deep breath into our low belly and, you know, low belly. I mean, I think, again, like I could have a conversation about Chinese medicine and what these things like all relate to. The teacher, the woman that I learned from in Minneapolis, um, she's also a traditional Chinese medicine doctor. So she always just had these really interesting pieces of like why parts of our body hold different, you know, with the energy meridians. But again, to go back to the breath, it's low belly where we hold a lot of our 
anger, frustration, sadness, some of these like deep rooted feelings, you know, that get stuck over time. And it can be large, like trauma, it can be small trauma, it's just just things like in all the crevices of our body. And then we bring that breath up to our heart space. And for me, that really resonates because you, you like wash all of these things that you're feeling and that you're ready to move through with compassion and with love, with the acknowledgement that we all have stuff. We all have these like things that are hard for us, these things that make us feel really sad, these really awful things that maybe have happened, but we're able to bring the awareness that like, it's time to let this go. I love myself. I can honor myself by, by knowing that it's time. And so you wash it with compassion and then we release it out of the mouth. And that practice is something that you can do in a smaller, smaller time frame or a larger time frame. I usually like to do it with clients for the first time for a smaller amount of time. For myself, I usually practice, you know, five, 10 minutes in the morning. And that just like, I just feel it like it's you feel tingling sensations, you can feel just like physical energy moving in your body very much like you might after an acupuncture session. And just things are are flowing up and down. And you're able to, um, I think over time for me, the benefits have been just, you know, able to be more present, especially with my emotions and my feelings. Um, more kindness and like compassion with my children, like not like, you know, temper has just gone down so much, the ability to just like sit with them in that like, fierce two, two year old or five year old feelings. Um, and just like watching people transform. It's again, like a slow process. It's, there are some very, um, you know, more high, fast paced breathwork practices out there. And I always like to say like, mine is super gentle and slow and very much like me in a breath form. That sounds absolutely beautiful. And I love that you make it so simple because I think sometimes when you're in the midst of wanting to get pregnant, it feels like there are a million things that you have to get right. You have to eat the right foods and do the right things and think the right thoughts and do the right kind of exercise and see the right kind of practitioner. And it can feel really overwhelming to have, you know, another thing to add to your plate. But I think that, you know, knowing that you can get benefit from just five minutes a day can be, you know, really reassuring to people that it's not necessarily all or nothing. It doesn't have to be this huge commitment. You know, it doesn't have to be this huge ritual that you wear a certain outfit for or go to a certain place. You don't even have to leave your home. Yeah. And like video can be off. Like I just love offering that. Like I obviously love seeing people's faces, but it's like, just show up, just be there in like your fullness or your emptiness or whatever you're feeling. And we just do the work together and I hold that space and I talk to you. And I think, you know, one of the things that always for me, I remember feeling just so I what I loved so much. I'm a, a big fan of Michelle's if everyone can already tell but I think <laughs> is I would sit down and it was like this chat, like, how are you doing? You know, how are you feeling? What's happening with your husband? What's happening with your body? How's work going? You know, how are you going to the bathroom? What's like all these questions that amount to this like physical picture of who you are. And I know that's important for the the piece of, you know, where you're putting needles in my body and what our goal is towards, you know, balancing my hormones and getting pregnant. But there's also this piece of being taken care of. And I think that that is just something that can be a feeling that's emitted, like for somebody to feel held is a really transformative feeling in that process of getting pregnant, because so often we feel alone, you know, you might have a friend that's, you know, pregnant with her third child, and you're, 
you know, really trying to get pregnant with your first child and, or you've been trying for years and, and it's been really tricky. And I think just these different situations where we often find ourselves like, who can hold me because my spouse has heard it 800 times and maybe I don't want to tell them one more time. Um, you know, or I have a beautiful child in front of me, but yet I would like another child. Am I not, you know, do am I not grateful for my child? Of course you're grateful for your child, but it can be really lonely to say like, but I, I do want that other thing. So just creating a space, I think that's always been like a goal of mine is to create a space for it to be okay to talk about that and for other people to show up and be like, hey, I also feel that way you know, and create that space of like general community within um, women or mothers that just like to be able to show up and be like, we we are all doing the best, you know, in our own worlds. And it looks very different. Very, very different. Yeah, I think it's really, really important to speak to that because those differences are important. Um, You talked earlier about all these little things that came together. So the cast iron pans and the breath work and the dietary changes and all that stuff um, kind of came together as the answer for you. But the reality is that there's just so much that we don't know about how conception really works. There's so much that science can't tell us. There's so much that isn't measurable with the technology that we have right now. And so there's really an aspect of surrender that needs to occur because there are answers that people are looking for that we just don't have yet and that we just don't know. And I mean, if you want to get really big about things, you don't really know anything ever. But you know, when you bring it back down to conception, it's, uh, it's kind of interesting to consider that we don't know why somebody can be in an IVF cycle and have the perfect embryos that are PGTA tested and they're genetically perfect and the person is eating the perfect diet and on the perfect medications and doing all the acupuncture and the yoga and, you know, they're trying as hard as they can and they're doing everything right and their cycle still might not work. Whereas their friend just sneezes at her husband and she gets pregnant really easily and she eats McDonald's every day and, you know, smokes a pack a day and you know all that stuff that we think about and it's it's hard to reconcile all of that Um, but I think it comes down to there's just answers that we seek but can't necessarily get and I see that in clinic all the time where people are just like why me why is it my body that isn't working and that I think that message right there why isn't my body working like what's wrong with me and I think that that I remember when I really got turned on to Ayurvedic medicine, um, the med- like traditional medicine of India. And it's a really, I really appreciated they have, you know, small, like they have three doshas that they categorize people in general with. But the mentality behind it is like this idea of restoring the balance of what you need, you know, and it can be a merriment of all three, of two, of one. But I remember that resonated with me because there was these pieces of all of us that that it was like I couldn't see in another way. Like I, for instance, am a vata. And like that was like all the sweet potatoes, all the ghee, all the like big juicy fats, like heavy stews, super spiced, warming spices, like hot baths, warm foot oil. Like, And I started doing those things and it was like, oh yeah, this feels really, really juicy and good. Like I really want that. I'm like a cold person. And like the wind gets to me and I just wanted to be like enveloped in this feeling. And I think that's something, um, you know, it's like 
we can't the one diet that somebody says this is the fertility diet this is the pregnancy diet it's like that isn't to me always i just like to try to remind friends and clients that that's not it's really important to tune into your body and look at where you've been and what that looks like and whether or not that's going to provide us with all the answers we don't know like you said there's just so much that we can't know but if you're willing to try you know, I'm willing and other practitioners are willing in their own modalities to help you to get to that place of like, let's find the things that make you feel good right now, because also right now sucks. And it's really hard. And you really want this thing that isn't happening. So why can't we just shower you with this, like, you know, this love and support that is going to feel good to your body and your family and your system. Um, And that absolutely is probably guaranteed to look super different than your best friend or the woman you met, you know, walking down the street. Absolutely. Wow. I didn't know the conversation was going to go in this direction, but I think this is amazing. Um, but I'd love to talk a little bit about uh, your your postpartum experience as well. I, I think it's really interesting to visit what our expectations were and are and how that compares to the reality of how it turned out. So, you know, you spend all this time thinking about having kids and getting pregnant and especially if you struggle with getting pregnant. And so, when you actually did get pregnant and have a baby, what was it like compared to what you thought it would be like? I very much appreciate you asking that because I think that's something else that I feel very emp- like empowered to speak to people about um in that I was the type of person that when, uh, before getting pregnant and having my own child, I visualized myself being this like all encompassing mother, just like sliding into this role, like it was meant for me. And it could not have been further from that way for me, um, in so many different ways. But I think literally from just day one, feeling genuine full body discomfort of just not knowing, like, what am I supposed to do? now that I'm here. Um, you know, I think I always, so for me personally, I suffered from really fierce postpartum anxiety with both of my children, but in particular, my first daughter, Agatha. Um, and the way that that manifested, you know, from day one of just her having, she was born posterior. I had a really tricky labor. I had, uh, wanted a home birth. We transferred to the hospital felt like a really wonderful choice that was wonderfully supported there, but adding, you know, drugs and not sleeping and all of this stuff to my body. By the time I went home, I was just like, not, I needed to rest. I needed to rest. I needed to like empty my body of the medication that had been in there. I needed to replenish and restore. And I didn't have, you know, I felt as though I had done research as to what I wanted to look like, but I didn't have the people necessarily around to be able to implement that for me. And I really did shift that with, with my second daughter, because I feel like food nourishment, mind nourishment, um, body nourishment, all of those things just get left to the wayside. And you're here with this, like, you know, um, Aggie wasn't latching. I wasn't producing like any colostrum. I was exhausted. My husband and I are looking at each other like, what is this thing right here? She doesn't, her neck isn't, you know, isn't up. Um, I was very, very lucky. My mom ended up, um, helping to my mom herself is not necessarily the most, um, like maternal person in that, you know, I always think historically, like if we were born in tribal culture, we would have had these aunts and uncles, uh, aunts and mothers and sisters really, you know, coming in to support the new baby and the mother. 
all that to say she hired a postpartum doula for me. And this woman was um, also, I think some people in, in a sense, maybe also called a night nurse, depending on which, you know, uh, company you might go with. This woman, honestly, Michelle was like, I just, she, I opened the door. I didn't know she was coming. I didn't even know who she was. And I just hugged her. And she just sat with me the first night. I like ripped my shirt off and I'm like, I don't know what to do with this baby. Like, I don't know what to do with my boobs. I don't know what to do with anything. I'm just really like uncomfortable and sad and I'm really tired. And she just helped me to like get my, my child on my breast. She showed me how to bathe my child. She gave me these like base level things that like, it still brings up a little bit of activation for me because I felt a lot of shame around it. I was like very embarrassed that I couldn't cope with that, that, experience with my child it still makes me feel really tender um but ultimately i think like when i came out of that i'll never forget six months later i started these like mama gatherings these love fest mama gatherings and i would host a group of women in a friend of mine's store i remember i used to come to those yeah. gatherings i love them and i felt so it just, you know, like, it's interesting when I feel like pain or discomfort, my immediate reaction is to help others is to like, shout to the world, like, hey, this can be really hard if you don't know anything about it. Let's talk about that, like a really non traditional moms group. And so yeah, for me, I think the the combination of just sleep deprivation, um, challenge with feeding at the beginning, really just second guessing myself and and also being far away from my family. We had moved just before we were, I was giving birth. And that was really like a, a big obstacle for me. So I think that when I did it the second time um, with my daughter, Birdie, I hired, you know, I had like, I really did. I, I put resources aside to be able to support myself more fully and asked for more help, which was something that I just, you know, immediately I was like, I should just be able to do this. I should just like give birth and feel like I can just conquer the world. And you hear that all the time. And yet, you know, we don't always know what to do. So I had this woman, an Ayurvedic postpartum doula come in and drop off food every day. And she wrapped my belly and I stayed in my bed a lot. And I had epic sips baths every night and would just lie in bed and my mom flew in and Jeff's parents flew in. And I just tried to create the oasis that felt supportive to me because that also is again, something that looks very different. Some people might have a C-section and they need to be in bed resting longer, or they might get up and feel great. You might have drugs pumping through your system, need to get them. You might have an epic natural home birth and I don't know, and it feel great. Or you might have an epic natural home birth and had fears tearing and need to lie down for a long time. Like it's just so varied. And so again, pulling into that space of what do I need? And then it's the shortest, longest time dig in for that shortest, longest time and allow yourself, you know, if we choose to have another baby, I just feel like this time you might find me just like lounging in some bed somewhere. If I can do it for the first little bit, because I just want, I just like want to embrace that fullness of like, I need help. I need help in like every possible way. And I'm going to be so okay with asking for that help. <laughs> I've had the same feelings. Uh, if we choose to have a third child, I'm like, yeah, we're going to save up all the money. And we're going to hire all the professionals to come and do everything for us. And like, no shame, because I just really feel like in my I listened to this one podcast, called the slow home podcast that I also love that like this woman, she brought on a postpartum doula and, and birth worker. And, and she just, you know, 
when I hear people's postpartum stories and I reflect back on how fierce that was, like how deeply, you know, and I thought in my fashion, I'm going to do a yoga class. I'm going to like sit down and meditate for a minute and like, I'm going to feel good. And that didn't restore me. And I felt like it was something that I was doing because I thought it would restore me when in reality, like I would lie down to sleep and I couldn't sleep because I was so anxious and I would just lie there awake and I would feel like I could hear my kid and then my boobs would start leaking. And then I would just be like, what is even happening in my body? My hair is falling out. You know, I want someone to like tuck me in and hold my child and go somewhere far away with them. So I can't even hear them. And I know they're taken care of so that I can just rest for like 30 minutes. Yeah. So just really also honoring what that that difference looks like. Like to me, the yoga and the meditation wasn't restorative at that early postpartum, whereas another mother that might be exactly what they need, get out, start working out again, do their thing. But I just, for me, it's like slow. I don't want to pass judgment on other people, but I would just encourage from like the depths of my soul, go slow, ask for help. And like, it might look so different from how you thought it would. Yeah. Well, isn't that the theme of all of it? It's just, it just doesn't, just doesn't usually turn out the exact way you think it's going to. I think that's a major theme in all of this. Yeah. And I feel just like, imp- I feel the importance of saying that again. For sure. And I, I liked what you said earlier about, um, you know, touching on all of the guilt that you felt for having a hard time with it, because I think that that's a really common thing that comes up for people, especially when people struggle to get pregnant is, you know, we're, whether it's self-directed or from outside sources, there's this pressure to just be grateful and be happy because, you know, it was a struggle to get pregnant and some people can't get pregnant and you have this baby now and other people can't have babies and then they don't feel okay about having a hard time they don't feel okay with knowing that they're struggling and they don't feel okay asking for help because the message that either has been happening in their own self-talk or from their infertility communities online or from just anybody has been well you should just be grateful for this baby that you couldn't have but now you have um and so you know don't fall apart because you should be grateful Yeah. And I think it's like, yeah. And I think you hear that more and more that people are like enough with the, like replace that with positivity or just like be grateful forever. I mean, I, I do appreciate a gratefulness practice. Absolutely. I think there's, there's deep value in that. And in the same breath, there is also deep value in honoring exactly where you are. Um, And that isn't always easy. And I think, again, that was a piece to me that just like, I wanted to reflect that I wanted to speak. You know, I think the biggest community built for me was not through my fertility journey, but it was through my postpartum journey. It was that transparency and that vulnerability that I offered um, through my words, which genuinely were just me moving through my feelings. Like that was just how I would, I would have a hard day or a hard moment. And I would, um, write about it. And then I would have other people write back and say like, Oh, me too. Oh, that's really like, that's also happening. And I feel that way. But like, I couldn't articulate it, or I didn't feel like that was okay to articulate. And so a lot of that, you know, built up within that, that postpartum period, and some of those people yourself included that, like, it became this just like lovely, you know, group of people that I'm still very much in touch with in different pockets that are now coming to breathwork and their children are older, you know, roughly the same age as, as our children. And it feels really also just like so heartwarming just to watch this transition that we've all made in different, you know, in different ways of like, how have we all 
connected to some of the, you know, the source of where creativity or our fuel comes from while also being mothers, while also, you know, running a household and being humans. And, you know, there's these, these dynamics that I think I deeply admire in, um, in what that looks like, because it really has, again, looked different, but everybody really does have their, like the thing they bring to the table. And I just keep seeing it. Beautiful. So before we sign off, I just want to take it back a little bit and ask you if you could speak to the people who are kind of at that beginning of their journey where they're feeling like their body is broken and they're feeling like they don't know what to do and they're feeling overwhelmed with the to-do lists and the choices and all the information. What's a piece of advice that you could give them that might help them along their journey? I think it's it's really hard for me to pick one thing because I just like instinctually want to give them a big hug. I think the one thing I you know I, that's my own work. I have to I can't I can't help everybody. I would say the biggest tool that has helped me would be to sit down and and write. Sit down and write. What are the things that are almost like a brain dump? Like what are the things that are f- filling your head right now and take stock of what they are. Um, what are the things that you can let go of? What are the things that you need to cultivate more of? Who can you call in? Just like making a little roadmap for yourself in order to better move forward one very slow step at a time so that you ultimately can get to the next place where you could maybe feel a little bit more full and then a little bit more full. And I think as you continue to do that work, that internal work, that clearing of the head and getting into your body, I really think that um, that is sometimes a, a big missing piece in our in our journeys that we we look so much at the physicality of our body and not so much as the at the emotional energy that's held within and that maybe can can be helpful. That's really good advice. Thank you so much. If people want to get in touch with you and learn more about what you do, how can they find you? Yeah, you can visit my website, which is lovefestjourney.com. And uh, you'll see an offerings tab that has all of my up to date breathwork offerings that right now is the only thing really that I'm I'm offering. As soon as I'm available, I will do more of my seasonal mama dinners, which you can read more about there. And then probably the easiest way I'm most active on Instagram, uh, my handle is lovefestjourney. And there again, I usually am um, pretty clearly promoting some of the the offerings that I have happening. At this point, I did a big kind of push in October with a lot of offerings, uh, breathwork Thursday night. So I'll be continuing that again towards the end of December and in January. Wonderful. I'll make sure that I link all that information in the show notes so people can click the links easily. But I want to thank you for coming on and chatting with me. You just have the most calming, wonderful way of talking about things. And I think that uh, my audience is really going to appreciate that. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to have gotten to connect with you and see your face. It feels just really like, yeah, it warmed me up for a good day. Thank you. Yeah, me too. Me too. So that was my conversation with Valma Cochran of Love Fest Journey. Doesn't she just have the most calming, soothing, wonderful voice? I just love listening to her talk about everything. So if you're interested in learning more about her, be sure to follow the links. I'll put them all in the show notes. 
I also want to invite you to subscribe to the podcast. We have so many incredible interviews and episodes coming up. We're going to be talking to more of my former and current patients and hearing their stories. I'm also going to be talking to some really amazing guests about things like exercise when you're trying to get pregnant, fertility foods, testing, supplements, and all of that good stuff. So stay tuned and I'll look forward to seeing you next week on Wednesday. Bye-bye for now. Thank you for joining us on Fertility Academy. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you loved our content today, please be sure to leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts and share it with someone who you think might find it helpful. Don't forget to subscribe to be the first to be notified of new episodes. A new one comes out every Wednesday. To keep in touch with us and to continue the conversation, you can find us over on Instagram at Fertility Academy or join us on our private Facebook group, the Fertility Academy Community. Both are linked in the show notes today. Until next time, have a great week.